Hi-ho, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is philosopher tricks. Much do I value the words of the philosophers. Marcus Aurelius said, The happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Plato said that wise men talk because they have something to say, fools because they have to say something. Seneca, that only time can heal what reason may not. To these words to live by, I offer the following. The end crowneth the work. The stone often recoils on the head of the thrower. Though the sex to which I belong is considered weak, you will nevertheless find me a rock that bends to no wind. So has said my good lady, Queen Elizabeth, a philosophatrix indeed. Philosophatrix? How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting! So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Thank you for listening. Tudor Files are an amazing bunch of people. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. Can you give us a spelling of Philosophatrix, Philadelphia? It is spelled P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-A-T-R-I-X. And at that time, that meant a female philosopher. Now philosopher is non-gendered. But in the Tudor period, philosophy was considered a male activity. So this word had its debut in a play by one of the most important Elizabethan playwrights, John Lilly. And he was born in 1553 or maybe 1554 in Kent. Master Lilly was well known to me as a gentleman of fine wit. He was often at court, planning masks and entertainments for Her Majesty. And he sat in four of Her Majesty's parliaments. Was that unusual, Philadelphia, for a playwright to also be a politician? Oh, it was so indeed. Lily was best known during his lifetime for being a writer of books. His Euphuse was most celebrated. Everyone at court read it. Euphuse is called a didactic romance. Hmm, wow, I really don't know what that means. <laughs> Sounds a little contradictory. I don't know what it means either, but didactic means instructional and romance means love and partnership. So I guess it's an instructional tale about love. Mm, okay. Sounds spicy. <laughs> <laughs> but our word of the week comes from one of Lily's plays, Sappho and Phaon, which is a play about the Greek mythological figures, Sappho, the great poetess, and Phaon an old barge man who Venus favors by making him young and handsome. So in the Greek myth about these two, Sappho falls in love with Phaon, who's considered beneath her in status and intelligence. They have a passionate affair, but Phaon tires of the beautiful, wonderful, intelligent queen Sappho, and she drowns herself. So that is dark. Yet Master Lily's play is not so. In his telling... Cupid has been making mischief with his arrows, 
and the queen Sappho falls in love with the lowly but beautiful Phaon, and he with her. But Venus, too, loves the lad. Sappho resists temptation to bed Phaon, even as the goddess longs for him. Venus wants her son Cupid to undo the work of the arrows that have caused Sappho and Phaon to love each other, and cause Phaon to love only herself as goddess. And then it gets confusing. (laughs) (laughs) With all of these different arrows being shot by Cupid, the result is a complete mix-up. So Sappho ceases to love Phaon. However, Phaon still loves Sappho and does not love Venus, who loves him. But then he leaves Sappho's kingdom to try to forget his love for the queen. The use of our word of the week comes from an exchange between Sappho and two of her ladies-in-waiting. Give us the scene, Philadelphia. Eugenia says, Dreams are but dotings, which come either by things we see in the day or the meats we eat, and so the common sense preferring it to be the imaginative. Ismina replies, Soft philosophics, well seen in the secrets of the arts and not seduced by the superstitions of nature. Then Sappho says, Ismina's tongue never lieth still. I think all her teeth will be loose. They are so often jogged against her tongue. Queen Sappho is witty, wise, and she's chaste. She doesn't take the young, beautiful Phaon to her bed. This play was written in about 1582-84, when the cult of Queen Elizabeth as this virgin queen was really rising. And Lily was writing this for Elizabeth and having this great queen who resists this young man for her kingdom. That's a way to flatter Elizabeth. Yeah. So when his play was presented at court, he presented this example of the beautiful, noble Queen Sappho who could resist the temptations of the body. And what's more? Master Lily wrote his work soon after Her Majesty had dismissed Francois, the Duke of Anjou, who had come to our court to beg marriage. Her Majesty kept him there some time against the advice of her most noble courtiers, even her favourite, Sir Robert Dudley himself. That's interesting. I thought the court was always in favour of Elizabeth getting married. Mistress Gage... Do you forget that by this time the Queen was 46, and the Duke of Anjou but 24? The council feared she might die in childbirth at her age, or that this Anjou would long outlive her and try to take her kingdom. So like the wise Sappho, Queen Elizabeth resisted the youth. Indeed. Though I must tell true, I do not think the Queen ever seriously considered the match. The attention flattered her. She loved to have young men pay court to her, but she would never have sacrificed the good of her kingdom for any man. She was far too wise a philosopher tricks. So give heed to defiles. Bring some 16th century sauce to your vocabulary with philosopher tricks. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Thank you.